Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. A cross, yes, a cross stands in the way of spiritual leadership. A cross on which the leader must consent to be impaled. It's a closer look at the church. Today, we want a closer look at the leadership of the church. As the leadership goes, so goes the church. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our time today continues with our series, A Closer Look at Church. As mentioned, we want to spend time focusing in on the role, responsibilities, and duties of a church leader, a shepherd, an under-shepherd. Join us as we take a look at this extraordinary call of God on a man's life. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Somehow, Paul, with his apostolic authority, he was led by the Holy Spirit clearly. He identified certain men within that congregation and entrusted to them some form of leadership. You might say they were kind of elders in the process. They don't bear the title of elder, but they were certainly given a certain portion of the responsibility. And they were moving in that direction. And one day, they most likely became elders. They became overseers. They became pastors and leaders within the Thessalonican church. And you know what? That would not be an easy process to go through. I mean, think of this. They're all pretty much young Christians. They were all equally old in the Lord, young. And it would be difficult to choose certain men out of a young group of men who were all brand new Christians, basically, to be the leaders among their own peers. You have to understand, a lot of the people that were coming into this church were very common people. Many of them had been slaves. And when they were selected for their service in the church because of their spiritual giftedness, when the apostles saw certain things in them by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God gifted them in a way to identify them, and they sought them out to be leaders of the church. They weren't used to leadership. They were used to being a slave. All of a sudden, you have somebody who was a slave who maybe served a pagan god. They get saved. They come into this church, and maybe they have some innate ability, some, some God-given abilities in leadership, and Paul recognized that. And so they went through a process of learning about leadership, about learning about spiritual wisdom, about learning about spiritual maturity. So it wasn't an easy thing for them to go through. I'm sure some of them probably looked at these guys and said, what are you in charge of? Why, why, why did he put you in charge? Why not me? And you see that go on even in churches today. That's why there in verse 14, he says there was apparently some unruly among them. There was some conflict in the church. Even though it was a model church, there was some conflict. There were some faint-hearted people. Idle, that's what that means, unruly. There were some weak. There were some who demanded their patience. Even in verse 15, he, he says, don't do like some of these people are doing, rendering evil for evil. He has to correct them. Say, don't go down that road. That's not right. We don't want you to do that. And Paul wants those issues resolved immediately. And I think a lot of that probably happened at that leadership level when they were kind of wondering who was going to be who. But Paul loves them so much, he wants to make sure that as he appointed them under the direction of the Holy Spirit, 
that these leaders within this, this church, he wanted them to make sure that they were put there by the Holy Spirit. See, that's why here in this church, when it comes to elders, we do not vote in elders. That's not what we do. We aren't self-appointed. The leadership of this church isn't some group of guys that got together and appointed themselves the leadership of the church. Matter of fact, the Bible speaks of Diotrephes who loved the, the preeminence, it says. He was self-appointed. We aren't appointed by popular vote. It isn't who has the biggest business. It isn't who has the greatest business sense. But the plurality of godly shepherds in a church is needed. And it becomes known in a church because it's so obvious who they are. That they're spirit-led, that God has gifted these men. And they function in that role. And so what we do is, as elders, we pray for God to give us wisdom And the Bible clearly says, if anyone among you desires the work of an elder or an overseer, he desires a good thing. And I can't help believe that I know that there's men within our congregation right now that one day will be serving as elders. Because I see it very clearly. God has gifted them in a very blessed way. And we're in that process. We're letting God do his work. The worst thing you could do as a leader is rush that process. But it's important that we have those leaders step up when the time comes because it's much needed. It doesn't fall on one or two men. That's not the way the Bible laid it out. It said there's a plurality of leadership. Well, what is the responsibility of the shepherd to the sheep? And we'll close with these three quick points here. What are the the responsibilities of the shepherd to the sheep? So if you're a sheep and you're not a shepherd, you can coast until next Sunday. (laughs) But next Sunday, we're going to talk about the responsibility of the sheep to the shepherds. So you got grace until then. Just remember, what's what's the first responsibility that it says in verse 12? Of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's all right here neatly packed in one little verse. It says, we ask you brothers. It says to respect those who labor among you. Respect those who labor among you. The first responsibility of the shepherd is to labor among the sheep. Notice it says among the sheep. It doesn't say those who labor over the sheep. Or those who labor for the sheep. No, it says labors They labor among the sheep. That's the first identifying mark of a pastor or elder or leader within the local church. That they diligently labor among you. I mean, we don't need to tear this apart. I mean, it says what it says. Diligently means diligently. It means you work hard. You do what God's called you to do. Paul uses a word there that means to work to the point of sweat and exhaustion. To exhibit great exertion. And you know what? I'll just, I'll tell you. You know, this, this message is as much for you as it is for me. Because I need to be reminded of these things. I need to be reminded that, yeah, you've been called to a certain task. And are you doing it to the point of sweat and exhaustion among God's people? Are you working until you're weary? See, the, the leaders, the shepherd's role is not outside the the confines of the church. 
It's not long distance. It's to be intimately involved with the body. I mean, when you think of a shepherd and the sheep, what kind of shepherd would it be if, if the sheep were on one hillside and the shepherd was on the other? That wouldn't work out very well. And it amazes me sometimes because I hear of, of, of pastors who they'll pastor a church in this city and they live three cities away. How do you do that? How could you possibly do that? It just seems that would be very difficult to really get to know your, your body. But the idea here is that we're intimately involved with the church in the midst of the people, alongside them in spiritual labor. What's he doing? He's explaining the gospel, explaining the truth, applying the truth, warning them, admonishing them, counseling them, helping them. We're here to meet your needs. We're here to serve you. Don't ever forget that. If it gets too much, that's, that's up to us to say, whoa, this is too much. But until that time comes, we're to labor among you. But the idea here is that we're intimately involved with the church in the midst of the people, alongside them in spiritual labor. What's he doing? He's explaining the gospel, explaining the truth, applying the truth, warning them, admonishing them, counseling them, helping them. We're here to meet your needs. We're here to serve you. Don't ever forget that. If it gets too much, that's, that's up to us to say, whoa, this is too much. But until that time comes, we're to labor among you. And it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he, Paul likens himself to a nursing mother who tenderly cares for her own children. I mean, some of you moms here, is, is, is the job of a mother just, you know, nine to five? No, not at all. I mean, the job of a mother, especially if you've got a newborn, man, you're 24-7 for weeks. You don't get to sleep. You don't get to do nothing. It's so funny when you see a young couple, they get married and they're so happy and they're living their life and then they have their first child and they're so happy, but things change so drastically. All of a sudden, they're not going out every night to eat, going over and doing this. And all of a sudden, man, they're, they're a slave to their child. Why? Because they care for that child. It's a 24-hour-a-day job. And Paul treated that congregation like that. It's important that we labor among the sheep. That we do what God has called us to do. So don't feel you're imposing. You have a need. If we can't meet it, we'll find somebody, hopefully, that can. But it's not just about being here on a Sunday morning and preaching a message. That's just a small sliver of ministry. I know... There's several men within our congregation that I could call at 3 o'clock in the morning if I needed something. If I was stranded somewhere, they'd come and get me. They may not like it, but they would do it. <laughs> because that's the kind of men they are. And I appreciate that. 1 Timothy 4.10 says this, It is this for which we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men. See, it's all about perspective. Why, are you, why would you work yourself to the point of sweat and exhaustion and agonize over this? You put it into perspective, that's what God would have you to do. That's the calling that you have upon your life. To see God draw people to himself through the message of the word as you give it out. You can't be indifferent and lazy and undisciplined and be in the leadership role of a church. It just won't work. 
Someone said this, a cross, yes, a cross stands in the way of spiritual leadership. A cross on which the leader must consent to be impaled. And that's true. That's true. Now, you have to put everything in balance because I'm also reminded of the Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane. He was a Scottish minister. He died at the age of 29. (laughs) And before he died, he turned to his friend who was sitting near him on the bed and he said this, I have killed the horse. Now I can't deliver the message. (laughs) So there's a point at which you could go too far down that road. But I don't see us approaching that (laughs) anytime soon, to be honest, with myself and with you. We're given the responsibility to be a servant to the sheep in every area that we can. Secondly, quickly, we're also given authority over the sheep. It says that right there, who are over you in the Lord. They have charge over you. The spiritual leadership of a church has charge over you. It means to stand before someone or preside or lead or direct. It's used in 1 Timothy chapter 3 three times. It means to be in charge, to have authority. I mean, it's a delegated authority, clearly, because we're under shepherds of who? Christ. But he has delegated that authority to the leaders of the church. We lead, we direct. We have the responsibility to give you spiritual wisdom, protection, direction, guidance. We oversee the general health of the church. Make sure its spiritual tone is intact. Its group morale is going well. Sometimes you're involved in personal relationships, resolving conflict. Discovering problems, solving problems. I mean, it's our responsibility as leaders of the church to, to do creative planning, strategy, assessment, analysis, all those things. And like I said, certain individuals do those things well and certain individuals don't. That's why you have a plurality of leadership. But notice that little phrase there. It says, in the Lord In the Lord. We're not self-appointed. This isn't an ego trip. It's not something that man made up. The church members don't give us this authority. We didn't just take this authority on our own. This authority doesn't come from men. It comes from God. It comes from people who are called, who are equipped, who are appointed by God to serve the local church. And it's our duty to rule for His sake, for the Lord's sake, not for personal power, not for personal prestige or gain. It's not about a career. It's not about advancement. But it says in the Lord, for the Lord, that authority rests in the Lord. That's the only, you take the Lord out of this, I am nothing, absolutely nothing. I have no authority whatsoever. And so we're given that authority by the Lord within the local church, but not beyond that. That doesn't make you a statesman or a community leader or any of those things. Those who serve the church should do so with a very restricted vision for the church. What's good for the church? That's the point. 
We have that authority over the sheep granted to us by the Lord. And then lastly, it says that they may admonish you or they give you instruction. The third responsibility of shepherds within the sheep or to the sheep within the church, not only to labor among the sheep and to have exercise authority over the sheep, but also to provide instruction for the sheep. That word there is often translated in the the New Testament. You could either say give instruction or admonish. Basically, it means to instruct someone toward a correct view of something. It carries the idea of that if you keep going this way, you're going to have problems. And you've got to turn this way. That's what a leader does. That's what a pastor does. That's what someone in ministry does. They come alongside somebody and they, they minister them. Make sure they're on the right path. It's not just academic. It's not just information. It's instruction with the idea of actually changing people. Teaching them. Correcting them. And you know what? When I preach a message, I'm always preaching, hopefully, to change your view of something. And the only way I know to do that is to teach the Bible in the way we do. It'd be very easy for me to get up here on a little hobby horse and preach on whatever I want every week. That'd be kind of fun, actually. You know, pay, play Bible roulette. Let's see, where are we going? Oh, we'll, we'll preach on that topic. That sounds good. But when you have to systematically teach through books of the Bible... I can't tell you what it does to your own heart. You're having to face certain issues in your own life that maybe I wouldn't teach on that topic because I don't have it together in that area. I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching on... But you know what? When you're going through a book of the Bible, you have to address it. And God has the freedom to correct you as well as others. But shepherds are then to be skilled instructors. That's one of the differences between a deacon and an elder or a pastor. Elders are commanded to be able to teach the Word of God. That's what kind of distinguishes them. And you say, okay, well, that was interesting, but how does that boil down? How does that apply to me? Well, leaders are given to the church not to grow the church, not to make the church bigger, not even to put some big business plan together and come up with something along that path that looks real good on paper. That's not what we're, we're called to do. The Bible says very clearly the role of leaders within the church is simply the edification of the membership, of the body of those who hear the Word of God taught. Hopefully you're built up in your spirit as you hear the Word of God taught. Hopefully, if nothing else came across this morning, just reading through a book of the Bible. Maybe you've never read through a book of the Bible before. Well, you know what? This morning you followed along as we read through an entire book of the Bible. We don't do that every week. But I thought it was good to see it in its context. But it's important to understand, and we're going to find out next week, not only do... The shepherds have a responsibility to the sheep, but also the sheep have a responsibility to the shepherd. And we'll be looking at that next week. I hope that in anticipation of our business meeting in a couple weeks, 
that hopefully you understand a little more about Grace Bible Church. You understand a little more about the leaders and their heart and what Scripture says concerning that leadership. This isn't a job, beloved. It's a calling. And God places that calling on your heart. And I would pray even for the men here and and even, frankly, for the women in, in different roles of ministry. Women have different roles of ministry too. That we would be open to God leading us, to God guiding us, to say what is going to be our part in this church, Grace Bible Church, come the year 2013. Am I just going to continue to do what I do? Or am I going to excel even more? as Paul clearly wanted the Thessalonians to do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that as we take this look at the church, and more pointedly today as the role of shepherds and pastors among us, Father, that as leaders we would first take our responsibilities very seriously, that we would do everything within our power to make sure that we fulfill those responsibilities before you first and then also minister to the sheep that you've entrusted to us. But Lord, I also pray for us as a church here in this Redwood City area, Lord. We know that we live in a tough area. This is a hard area to reach out to people and people just generally aren't receptive that much. Father, I pray that it wouldn't be about a single church that it would be about a relationship with a Savior that came to give his life on our behalf. Father, that people would understand that, that you're a God who loves them. You're a God who gave everything you had, including your Son, to restore the relationship that was broken by sin. And Father, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary that when we we come as a broken sinner to the foot of the cross and we say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Father, you do something supernatural in our heart. It says that you transform us, that you grant us repentance, that you cause us to want to love you more and give us a desire for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Cause us to serve the body of Christ in some way, form, or fashion. Father, we thank you that you're a gracious God. You're not some, like some gods of different religions that have no grace. It's just all about judgment. Father, you're a gracious God, but God, you're also a just God. And Lord, it's through the cross of Christ that your justice was met out, and we thank you for that sacrifice. So Father, we pray for each one here. If, if there's any here this morning, who's yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ. It's not about joining a church. It's about becoming part of your church. About understanding what it means to have a relationship with Christ, having their sins forgiven, turning from your own agenda to God's agenda, desiring Him to be part of your life. He created you. He loves you. He knows everything about you. I pray that you would be open to His calling this morning. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. 
If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Mm -hmm.